Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. You guys sound like a lively group this morning. How's everybody doing? Man, let a little cold weather creep in, and man, it just brings out the best in us. Amen? So it's good to see you here this morning. So excited to just continue in a series that we started last week called A Child is Born. Before we get into the series, though, before we get into the message this morning, I want to make a couple announcements. I want to I want to say, first of all, thank you, Cross Point Church, for your participation, your generosity, your, your just embracing two ministries that we have here at this church. I know we celebrated one already the, day, the, the weekend after uh, Thanksgiving, but one of those is Adopt-A-Box Ministry, which so many of you gave to that, uh, that ministry and that opportunity that we have to, to feed a lot of people in our community. And, and I'm just so thankful that we as a church have that opportunity each year. But another one is the Giving Tree. And uh, we've been doing the Giving Tree for about the same amount of time. For several years now, we've been doing the Giving Tree. And what that is is we put ornaments on a tree out here. And, and, um, and then we ask that you take the ornaments and, and go buy the gift and bring that gift back to the church. And we'll give those gifts to some people who are in need this Christmas holiday season. This year, we couldn't even get the ornaments on the tree before you guys were gobbling those things up. And, and I'll tell you, I just am so thankful. We didn't even announce it, I don't think, this year before all the the needs were gone. And so uh, I just want to say uh, this morning, thank you for just participating in that ministry and, and making somebody uh, Christmas this year, very happy Christmas. If you were participating in that ministry, if you took one of the ornaments and, and are out uh, shopping for one of those gifts this week, uh, I do want to say that those gifts are due back in here this Tuesday. So we would love to see uh, you bring those on in so we can get them to the families, but that's something that we we can celebrate and, and just be thankful that we have an opportunity to do such a thing. And then the other thing I'm very excited about, one of the things I want to mention here this morning, you, you I, I doubt you've heard, but you might have heard if it, if it got through the system, but on January the 27th, January the 27th, that's a Saturday evening, we're going to have Christian artist David Crowder here at Cross Point Church. Now, I know, how many of you know David Crowder, Amen. Uh, David Crowder is a, uh, is, a, is, a, is a big deal in the Christian world today. Uh, he travels all over the, the world, and uh, he, he's, uh, he's even got one of the coolest beards I've ever seen in my life. I got to just say that. I, I would love to grow out a beard like David Crowder. I'd love to grow out hair like David Crowder, but, uh, but I, uh, mine's all gray or falling out, so it's just impossible. But uh, but we've got a little video we want to show you just in case you just don't know anything about him or just a little promo video we're going to be putting out. We're going to be selling tickets after the service uh, today. Uh, we, we really want our church to come out in full support, and we know this. It will be a sold-out event, okay? It's going to be sold out, no doubt. There's only 1,400 tickets. There's, there's, about, there's over 2,000 of us that attend this church, so you need to get your tickets early. It's first come, first serve. But we want to make these available to us as a faith family before we put them on sale to the community. But they will go fast. And I just want to encourage you to pick up your tickets. You can go online to our website and purchase tickets as well. But look at this video here, and then we'll, we'll get into the message here in just a moment. Let's roll that tape, guys. Okay, listen. American Products Tour 2.0 coming your way. I'm going to give you a little taste tonight. We're about to go down. Watch, 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 watch. It's good. Shouting out 
Les Crowder right there, if you've never met him, that was just a glimpse of that man. And uh, if you think I wasn't serious about growing my hair out and my beard like that, I am dead serious. I wish I could do that. I really do. I might just come out in a wig one day. I think that's a cooler beard than even JT has, don't y'all? So, uh, and JT's been sporting the coolest beard around these parts for a long time. Well, he's got his, uh, his, his, uh, his day cut out for him when he gets here. So anyway, I'm excited about that. Uh, it's going to be a great day for us as a church and uh, be exciting time. And I want to say this too. I think this is really amazing. But our very own Crosspoint Church worship band is going to be opening for David Crowder that night as well. Amen. And, uh, and I think that's an exciting opportunity. It's going to be a great night. And so I hope that you'll participate in that. But let's, uh, let's turn to, uh, to, to the Lord now and uh, let's go to him in, in a, a time of prayer and just ask God to prepare our hearts and our minds for the reading and the preaching of his word. I believe that God's word has a, a very encouraging message for us this morning. And, uh, and I can't wait to just share with you just how amazing Jesus is this morning. So let's pray and we'll dive into God's word together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for an opportunity just to come together, gather together as a faith family, and Lord, we, we recognize and acknowledge your presence with us here this morning. Lord, we are thankful uh, for your presence in our life, and God, as we, have, as we have gathered here today, we've worshiped you, we've lifted up our voices in song and adoration, and God, we just give praise and glory to your name. Father, we've, we've worshiped you through our giving, through prayer. And now we turn to that time of the service where we, we worship you through the reading and the preaching and the hearing of your word. I pray, Father, that you would help us to open up our hearts and our minds, give us ears to hear. God, that we would hear from you this morning and that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God, that you want to speak into our life. God, we know that you are the Father of life, eternal life. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And God, we just praise you as we continue to look into your word here this morning. Lord, be with us in a, in a very special way. Encourage us, convict us, and challenge us. God, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go back to Isaiah chapter 9. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn there. Two verses we've been looking at over the last, uh, well, a week. We just started last week. But, uh, but Isaiah 9, we're looking at verse 6 and 7, just two verses and today, we, we kind of dove into these two verses in a great, uh, a great bit of detail last week. We're going to use these two verses to really springboard into what we're going to be looking at today. But we're continuing this series called A Child is Born. And it would seem that anytime you move into a Christmas holiday season, that you would begin to focus on the Christmas story. Traditionally, that's what we do. We, we begin to uh, focus on the nativity uh, of Jesus Christ, we begin to focus on that Christmas story, and we begin to share stories like Mary and Joseph going into Bethlehem. And, and as you remember, Mary is a virgin who is who is uh, pregnant with Jesus, and she is preparing to give birth to the Messiah, who's been told that he is coming. And so they come into Bethlehem, and it's it's in the story that we read that that uh, that I. I that there's no room for them to stay anywhere, that they are sort of inconvenienced by this, this reality. And they find themselves in a barn of all places, and it's there that, that we hear the story of Jesus being born in a manger. We, we read stories like the shepherds who were gathered in the fields, and they were tending to their sheep, and the angel of the Lord, he came to them, and, and he, he shared with them that, that Jesus was arriving. And, and, and so we, we see that story. We talk about the wise men, how they traveled from afar to bring 
gifts to Jesus to honor him and just to, to show their support over him. And so they come and they, they go. And we, we hear all of these stories, this baby being born in a manger. And, and those are beautiful, beautiful stories. But this series, we've decided to go back from Jesus' birth, back six or 700 years before Jesus was born. And as we do that, we travel back and we hear the words of a prophet named Isaiah. And so that's why we've chosen to be here. And we see that Jesus, um, excuse me, Isaiah is given a glimpse of who Jesus is to be when he would be born in Bethlehem. And so Isaiah is, is pro, he, he's bringing these words of these, these prophecies, if you will, that, that Jesus would come and we begin to get a glimpse of who he'd be. We also get a glimpse of what to expect from Jesus. And so as we see this, these stories unfold all the way back in Isaiah, we become very encouraged because uh, of the reality that Isaiah is describing Jesus. He's teaching us something about our Savior that we desperately need to know. Isaiah is going to proclaim this truth. He's going to say, in Isaiah 7, which we're not looking at today, but in Isaiah 7, he says that there would be a virgin who would be giving birth to uh, the Messiah. And this Messiah, as he comes, he would be called Emmanuel. And we looked at last week how Emmanuel is God with us. How many of you are thankful that God is with us? Amen? How many of you celebrate Jesus Emmanuel, right? And so we're thankful for that. We're, we're happy for that. We rejoice over that. We're, we're glad in that. And so, so he, he declares this, that, that God will be with you. And so then we get to Isaiah 9, and he begins to talk about these amazing attributes or titles or, or descriptions of Jesus, however you want to really look at it. And he begins to say that Jesus would be our wonderful counselor. We looked at that last week, and I know you're thankful that he is your wonderful Counselor, we, we see where Isaiah then uh, promises us that Jesus will be a mighty God. He will be the eternal Father. He will be the Prince of Peace. And so he lays all this out for us that we may get a glimpse of him, that we may know him, that we may know who he is and why he's coming and what his purpose is for us. And, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, last week, like I said, we looked at the wonderful counselor. Today, we're looking at this truth that Jesus is our mighty God. Amen? That Jesus is our mighty God. Yeah, you can praise him because he is a mighty God. And I want you to walk out of here today. I want you to walk out of here believing and knowing with all that you are that Jesus is a mighty God. Not that he's just a mighty God, but he's your mighty God. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. We're going to be diving into this and seeing exactly what it is that these words reveal to us. And so read with me, if you will, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and we will dive into uh, this truth. So Isaiah says these words. He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. He says, of his increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this will do this. So we look at Jesus, and we declare today that he is our mighty God. 
And we look at this and we, we, we try to wrap our minds about uh, around what this really means for us. And, and this morning, I'm gonna share with you two very powerful truths that, that, that really uh, we must understand if we're gonna really understand who Jesus is as a mighty God. And these two truths, I'll go ahead and give them to you and then we're gonna dive into them. But the first one is the evidence of his power. The evidence of his power. One of the things that we see when Isaiah speaks these words and he, he says in the English translation, we read mighty God, but he is speaking from the Hebrew language and he uses this word El Gabor. And El simply means God. So in, in its simplest form, it just means God. So El is God. And then we have Gabor, which literally means a strong or mighty warrior. Now, we don't see that in the English language. We just see mighty God. But that's literally what the translation in the Hebrew language would mean. So we have God and we have strong or mighty warrior. And I think about that that title, that name that is given to our Savior, El Gabor. And I think about this reality that so often in our life, we are living our life and we are fighting battles. We're fighting spiritual battles. We are fighting discouragement. We're just fighting uh, anger. Sometimes we're fighting disappointment. We're fighting loneliness. We're fighting all these battles all the way through. And there are times in our life where we need in our life more than anything a mighty warrior, amen, to help us fight our battles. And so as you look at this name today, as we celebrate the name of Jesus as a mighty God, you be encouraged that you have on your side a strong and mighty force that is working for you. His name is Jesus, amen? And we all go through those times in our life, don't we? We all face those, those battles that we have to fight. And I tell you, I just, I can't, I get excited just thinking about Jesus being on my side. Also, we want to look at the benefits of his power. The benefits of his power. We're going to dive into that in just a moment. But what I mean by that is by his power, we're promised that we would have the ability to overcome those circumstances that we face and ultimately persevere to the end. And so that's what we're going to be looking at here today. That's what we're going to really dive into and, and take a look at because as I look at this word, mighty God, as I look at this name that was given to Jesus, I think about these two things. And so I want us to dive into this this morning. So the first thing we're looking at is this, the evidence of his power, the evidence of his power. Let me ask you a question here this morning. As we think about Jesus as a mighty God, what is the proof that we have that Jesus is a mighty God? What is the proof? Where's the evidence? What is it that we know about Jesus that would help us in trusting him as a mighty God? Because that becomes very important. You know, during college football season, uh, there's a lot of talk that happens, especially at the beginning, isn't it? There's a lot of talk. People begin to talk about how their team is going to be the one that, that does it all. We're going to win the East. We're going to win the West. We're going to win the Southeast uh, Conference. Uh, we're going to take it all. You know, we're going to go all the way. Maybe you may proclaim this for your team. We're going to go all the way to the national championship. So there's a lot of talking that happens in college football. And I know we are a, a very diverse crowd. There are fans here today that root for just people I would have never imagined you root for, you know. And so I found out that there is somebody in our church, I won't call their name out, JT and Hannah, but, but the reality is this, they, are, they, they have been rooting for their life, uh, Hannah has been rooting in her life for Oklahoma, who we play coming up very soon. I just don't know how I feel about that. But anyway, uh, but we have all the, you know, we have this, this, this 
way of just talking about our team being the best this year. We're going to be the best. We're going to take everybody out. But here's what we know, and let's just get real for just a moment. Here's what we know. The proof is on the field, isn't it? You can talk all you want. You can talk and you can proclaim and you can say all you want about your team, but the proof will be what happens on the field. I mean, that's where we're going to see if the rubber meets the road, isn't it? That's where we're going to see if it's all talk or if it's all, you can walk the talk. You know, I mean, you can carry out what you have promised. And so the proof is on the field. And so the question is, what proof do we have that Jesus is a mighty God? What proof do we have? I mean, this is just Isaiah, the prophet, speaking these words. He says, Jesus will come. He'll be a wonderful counselor. He'll be a mighty God. And so we want to look at the evidences of his power. And as we look into Jesus, as we look into who he is, as we read the scriptures, we begin to see that there's a lot of evidence that points to his divine power, okay, his divine power. And that's what I want to kind of start off here this morning. For starters, here's something that we need to understand. He is the creator, write this down. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Now, I don't know about you. I've never done that. Have you, have you ever created the heavens? I mean, any part of it? I, we, we don't have that in us, do we? I would assume that if you're gonna be the creator of the heavens and the earth, you're gonna be a mighty God that is, is able to do this, right? And so here we see, and what we see is we read through scripture that there were prophets and there were teachers and there were disciples and there were apostles who all gave testimony and, 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 and wisdom concerning Jesus as the creator of the heavens and the earth. We have in the New Testament where both Paul and John spoke on the reality that Jesus was the creator of all things, both living and non-living. He is the creator of the heavens and everything uh, on the earth. I mean, he is the creator of it all. Everything was created not only by him, but also for him. And so we see this in Scripture. In John chapter 1, verse 3, we read these passages. I mean, this verse where he says, all things. Now, let me just say, how much is all? <laughs> right, all, right? everything right is anything left out of all nothing is left out of all is it all simply means everything it means all things and so here we see John in God's word where it says all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made so nothing according to the word of God nothing was created that wasn't by the hands of Jesus John has given testimony to Jesus, and here he is revealing to us that he is a mighty God because he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. We read also, and this is powerful, where Paul writes these words as he's writing to the Colossians. He writes these words. He says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or the dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And that's important too, because not only is Jesus able and capable of creating all things, everything was created through him and for him, but he is also powerful enough to hold it all together, to hold it all together. And so the whole universe, everything within it, everything that was created, everything that you could ever set your eyes on, everything that you can't see, the invisible, all these things, 
Jesus created, and not only did he create it, but he holds it together. And so we see this, we understand this, and we begin to, to realize that as the creator of the entire universe, everything in it, Jesus makes a pretty mighty God, doesn't he? We also, we also have his miracles. We have his miracles. And I understand that the first thing that we've talked about is coming straight out of God's word, but the thing about Jesus' miracles are there's a lot of eyewitnesses to what took place. When Jesus was walking on this earth, when he was carrying out his ministry, there was a lot of things that were happening. But one of the things that Jesus was doing was he was healing. He was performing miracles. And people witnessed these miracles. We begin to see that, that Jesus would go forth and he would carry out these things. And, and, and we begin to notice this. We begin to realize that some of these miracles really characterized the nature of Christ. They really established this reality that he is divine. And so we look at the miracles and we come to understand that these people who gave testimony to these miracles, these things happening, are giving testimony to a reality that Jesus is a mighty God, that he can perform things that you and I can't perform, that he can accomplish things that you and I can't carry out. For example... We're reading in Luke, and we read a story of Jesus raising a widow's son from the dead. The story goes like this, where Jesus is coming into a, a town called Nain, and as he's walking into Nain there, it says in the scriptures that his disciples are following him. They're, they're walking with him, but not just his disciples. The story says that the crowds are following him. I mean, he is, he is going about the land. He is performing miracles. He's doing amazing things. In fact, the scripture says over and over and over that the disciples and the crowds were amazed by what Jesus was doing okay and so they come into this town and as they walk into this town Jesus sees some people bringing I just I just lost something there uh, I lost volume is what I lost I thought my voice went out I was like I just lost my voice I can't even hear myself you know but anyway the uh, he's walking into this town and he sees this group bringing this dead man this young dead man out of a of home and as jesus looks he recognizes that this man is dead and this young man is the dead son of a poor widow woman and it says in the scriptures that jesus has compassion for her that jesus has compassion for her that he he looks at the situation and obviously people are probably weeping and obviously she's heartbroken. This was her only son and she's just a poor widow. And Jesus walks over and it says in the scriptures that he lays his hand on her, on him, and he says to the dead body, he says, arise. And the dead man comes from the dead. He, he is made live again. And as he raises from the dead, as, as Jesus heals this dead body and brings life into this dead body, it says that the scriptures that the man begin to speak. Now remember, Jesus has brought with him disciples. He's brought with him a crowd. There's a lot of people that is watching what just took place. And nobody doubted what just happened. In fact, in Luke chapter 7, verse 16, we see their response to this miracle that Jesus has just performed. Look at this with me, if you will. Luke chapter 7, verse 16, it says this. It says, fear seized them all, and they glorified God. Now, I want to stop right there for a moment. I don't want you thinking that they were trembling in their boots over Jesus, thinking he was some sort of monster. 
I believe that this fear that we see here is, a, is, is really pointing to a spirit of reverence because it says that they glorified God. So, I mean, they were, they were seeing this as something really good that was taking place, but they were really sure of one thing. This was supernatural. This was something that just not the ordinary man could do. And so here we have the situation where the people, it says that they seized with fear and they began to glorify God and they proclaimed that a great prophet had arisen among them and, he sa and they said this, for God has visited his people. Now I wanna go all the way back for just a moment to Isaiah chapter seven. You remember what I said about Isaiah chapter seven? Isaiah said there will be a child who is born, okay? And he will come from a virgin. We know the Christmas story. We know all that took place. And he came from the virgin Mary. And his name, what did Isaiah say his name would be? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And here, Jesus performing the miracles and miracle after miracle. And the people proclaim God has come to visit us is that good news this morning or what that God would show up in such a divine way that he would declare to them that he is capable of raising the dead to life he would perform this miracle and the people around him the crowds the disciples everybody around him would recognize this as God being with them mighty God Jesus our mighty God and so we have the miracles of Jesus, but perhaps probably the greatest and the most compelling evidence that we have that Jesus is a mighty God is his resurrection. His resurrection. You see, what we know about Jesus' resurrection is that there is nothing, nothing that would prove the power of the Lord Jesus Christ than being himself raised from the dead, right? Death having no hold on him sin having no hold on him nothing in this universe having any hold on him that he has the power as a mighty god he has the power of resurrection himself and so here we see where as we look through the scriptures even as we study things outside of the scriptures christian scholars point to this reality that hundreds upon hundreds i witnessed the resurrection of jesus if you want proof, there's your proof. Hundreds upon hundreds of people saw Jesus dead and then saw him alive. Let me just say this. In a courtroom today, you take in hundreds upon hundreds of witnesses to say what you say is true, that will stand up in court any day. You want proof? Look at the people who said, I saw it with my own eyes. I saw the man was dead, and now I see the mighty God who is alive. Amen? And so we see this resurrection as being our proof as we declare as believers in Christ Jesus that our Jesus is a mighty God. And so we recognize his resurrection. In addition to that, we have two skeptics that didn't believe in Jesus initially but came to know him. One was Paul, and one was the brother of Jesus himself, James. The apostle Paul, as you know, was once Saul. And Saul was a persecutor of Christianity. Paul wanted to do away with Christianity. Paul wanted to destroy Christianity. Paul was responsible for destroying the lives of many Christians. And yet one day, as he was on that road to Damascus, 
He was going to arrest even more Christians. He met Jesus on that road to Damascus. And what we know about this man named Saul is his life was transformed by the power and the presence and the blood of Jesus Christ that day, and he became a believer. He came to understand exactly who Jesus was as a mighty God, and he began to live his life no longer fighting Christianity, but going out and proclaiming Christianity as the truth. He would eventually die for his faith. The same way with James. James was sort of a doubter, as you might imagine. I mean, he's your brother. You know, you just kind of like, I don't know if I believe all that about my brother. But at some point in his life, he came to a place where he too believed, and James, his brother, ultimately gave his life for Jesus. The proof, these men don't die for a lie. Men don't say, oh yeah, that happened. Go ahead and kill me. No, if it's a lie, they're going to say, <laughs> we're just kidding, right? They're not going to carry this resurrection thing far, but these were men who had once had been skeptics themselves who now believed in the, the power of Christ to overcome death, and they surrendered to this truth that he was indeed God, and not just God, but a mighty God. You know, there's so many other things that we could say about the resurrection. One might be the, the reputation of the Romans. You know, they had put guards around Jesus after he died. They were, they were guarding this body because they didn't want anything to come from this. They were wanting to put an end to this thing called Christianity. And yet the next, in three days, they, they woke up to find that the body was missing. And it, those kinds of things just didn't happen with the Roman soldiers. There are so many evidences that point to the reality of Jesus' power. I want to kind of close out that, that part with a passage from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it says this, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, in the last days, he spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also, here it is again, created the world. But I want you to see Jesus in this way. Verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and an exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So we here we have the evidence that Jesus was, in fact, the divine and mighty God that Isaiah declared about him. How many of you are thankful that Jesus is your mighty God? So we look at the, the evidences of his power. Let's look at the, uh, the benefits of his power. Let's look at how we benefit from the power of Jesus in our life because I think this is something that we truly need to understand. You know, one of the things that, that uh, I'll let you know here this morning is that I've been doing pastoral ministry for quite some time now. For a number of years, I've been doing pastoral ministry. And, and, and usually when people come in to, to see me in my office, when they call and they set up an appointment and they say, Pastor David, I want to come see you, it's usually not because they want to come in and say, man, your sermon was awesome. You know, it's, that's usually what it's not about. It's usually about coming in because they really need Jesus in their life. 
Most people that set an appointment with me come in and they say, Pastor David, I need Jesus more than anything. You see, here's what usually happens when people come into my office. They come into my office and they begin to share with me what's going on in their life. And usually it's a very bad, difficult circumstance that they're facing. And as they begin to share what's happening in their life, usually tears begin to fall because they're broken and they're scared and they're fearful and they're uncertain and they're dealing with all these emotions and they just don't know how to cope and they feel so weak in the moment and they know that the thing that they need more than anything else in the world is the power of Jesus in their life. Usually I push over to them a box of tissue and, and, and we begin to talk and we begin to share and what I've come to realize even during the Christmas season, that what they want more than anything else is not the gift they told you they want. It's other things. They're wanting to see the power of God in their life. And I hear it all. I hear it all. There are those that come in and they say, Pastor David, what I need more than anything, what I want and what I desire more than anything is for God to restore my marriage. My marriage is at a place it's never been. And I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus to restore our marriage. I know in my heart that, that we still love each other, but the love is gone. That's what I hear in my office. I have those that walk in and with tears in their eyes, they begin to share of great addictions that they have, maybe toward pornography or maybe toward drugs and alcohol, but they begin to share of the brokenness that they're experiencing and the lack of joy in their life because of these addictions that they face, and they know they can't overcome the addictions because they've been trying for years and years, and they just struggle, and they struggle, and they struggle, and they come to me in their last-ditch effort, and they say, I need the power of Jesus in my life. What they're saying to me is, I need a mighty God. I need a mighty God, Pastor David. I have people that come into my office and they, with tears in their eyes, they begin to share broken relationships between either their son or their daughter. And, and, and they begin to realize that their parenting skills have suffered over the last few years and there's such a great divide between the parents and the children. And, and they come in and they just say, I want my daughter to love me all over again. I want my son to come back home. And what they're telling me is that they need the power of Jesus in their life. What they're telling me is that they are desperate for Jesus in their life. This happens every day. And not just my office, but the office of so many pastors as people are seeking the power of God in their life. And they tell me exactly what you would probably tell me if you walked in to my office as well. What we really need more than anything else in the world is not to just recognize that Jesus is a mighty God, but to recognize our dependency on him as a mighty God. We need this. And so we look at the benefits of Jesus as a, as a mighty God. We begin to realize, here, here's a couple of truths I want to give you this morning as we sort of begin to wrap this up, I guess. And and the first one is this, is that the Lord Jesus is alive and he calls us to believe. How many of you believe that our Lord Jesus lives today? Amen. He lives. And one of the things that we know 
is that he lives. As believers in Christ Jesus, we know that he is alive, he lives. And I know this is the language that we typically talk about during the Easter season, not necessarily Christmas, because we celebrate the nativity. But let me just say this, that that Jesus that was born in a manger, that baby that was born on that Christmas day, he wasn't just born so he could walk through life with no purpose. He was born with a purpose, and that purpose was to go to the cross and ultimately die on the cross for your sin and for mine, that his blood would be spilt for the atonement of our sin that he would be taken down from that cross put in a tomb and in three days having victory over sin and death he would be raised from the grave giving us life to those who believe that's our Jesus that's a mighty God and that's what we need to recognize we need to understand that Jesus is alive and he calls us to believe his power over sin and death is so real you know after the resurrection there was one of the the guys that was walking around with Jesus all these years and, and, and his name was Thomas. And the disciples, when they found out that Jesus had been raised from the grave, they go to Thomas and they say, Thomas, you can't believe it, but uh, Jesus, he's not dead, he's alive. And Thomas absolutely doesn't believe it. He can't believe it. It's just beyond his imaginable you know, understanding. He, he just can't think that, that Jesus could be alive. He saw him dead and so Jesus I mean Thomas tells the disciples he says this he says unless Jesus were to walk in here and show me those hands where the nails were driven through and unless he walks in here and allows me to stick my hand in the hole in his side where the spear pierced his body and his blood was shed unless that happens I refuse to believe eight days later the disciples were gathered again and as they gathered this time, Thomas was with them, and in walks who but Jesus. And Jesus walks straight over to Thomas, and as he walks over to Thomas, he reaches out his hand, and he says, feel the scars in my hands. And there Thomas, in all of his disbelief, in all of his brokenness, he reaches out, he touches Jesus, he sees him, he believes, and he declares these words. He declares to Jesus, my Lord and my God my mighty God. The divine nature of Jesus to have the power to overcome death. And so Jesus is alive and he calls us to believe. The second truth I want to give you as we close this thing out this morning is this, and this is the one I know that's going to encourage your heart because maybe some of you here today are, are thinking that maybe God's not at work in your life as we approach a season where we should be filled with joy. But here's the second truth. The Lord is able and he is faithful at all times. The Lord is able and he is faithful all the time. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to them and he says this and he says, and God is able. I want to just stop there for a moment. Would you say that with me this morning? And God is able. Next time you doubt the power of God in your life, will you remember that together we said these words, and God is able. He is able. 
When Isaiah declared for Jesus that he was a mighty God, he was saying to us and to all who would hear, our God is able. Able to do what? Anything. In fact, the scriptures tell us that with God, nothing is impossible. That's what the scriptures teach us. And so Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he says this, and God is able to make all grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency and all things at all times. What does all include? All, right? You may abound in every good work. God is able all the time. A German Protestant author, commentarian, he, Carl Kiel, he, he once wrote these words, who else would lead Israel to victory over a hostile world than God the Almighty? The Messiah is the physical presence of our mighty God. I hope you're able to believe that this morning. You need to be able to believe that this morning because you need Jesus in your life. You need him. Paul wrote also to the Corinthians, he wrote these words, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Isn't that good news? God will not put on us more than we can handle. Now, it may seem like it. Let me just say that. Some of you are going, I don't know. I've been in some pretty tough stuff. But you came out of it, didn't you? I don't know, I'm kind of going through something really tough right now. But you're not done, are you? God is able. And God is faithful. And that's what we need to recognize when we are struggling with life. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it that's our mighty God that's our Jesus that's who we're talking about here today right Jesus you remember the story of Jesus on the cross the crucifixion we talk about it every Easter but the story goes where Jesus is hanging there on the cross. He's been nailed to a tree, and they stood that tree up for everyone to gather around and mock our Savior. And there Jesus is. He's hanging on the cross, and he's, he's dying one of the most torturous deaths that the Romans could muster up. He's dying the death of crucifixion. But do you remember the story? He's not alone, is he? Who's with him? two criminals who hang on either side of Jesus and as the three of these all begin to, to die and they're all going to die one of the criminals over here on one side of Jesus he begins to mock Jesus maybe he hears what the crowd's saying maybe he's just angry that he's been put to death by crucifixion maybe he's just de been dealing with bitterness all his stinking life and he's just had it but over here hanging on the cross this criminal 
he says something to Jesus. He says to Jesus, aren't you God? Aren't you the mighty God that everybody's been talking about? And there you are hanging on a cross. Aren't you God? He says, if you're God, then why don't you save yourself and save us while you're at it? You know, I think about this criminal, and a lot of times that's how we find ourselves when we go through these difficult situations, don't we? God, where are you? What's up, bro? You know? Don't we just develop such an attitude when we go through our difficult circumstances? As though we are deserved anything. We, we sit here deserving the punishment of death, and yet so often we're just like this criminal over here when we look at, aren't you God? Why don't you save me? Why don't you do something for me? If you're God, why don't you do something for me? I love Jesus' response to this criminal. You know what he says to him? Nothing. He just hangs there. You know, I almost, almost feel like if Jesus did say anything, he probably would have said, I'm taking care of that right now. I'm taking care of that. You, I'm taking care of that right now. This is what I'm doing over here. Genius. Wouldn't that be funny if that was in the Bible, you know? That'd be awesome. But you have this guy who deserves nothing. I mean, all he's done is live his life in hate, and bitterness, and thievery, stealing. I mean, he's a criminal. And the law has declared what he deserves is death, and he is receiving it. And he asked Jesus, aren't you God? Over here we have another criminal. And on this cross, this guy deserves the same thing that guy deserves. Because all his life, he's been nothing but the same things. He's been sentenced to death. Not sure exactly what all he's done, but it's... He's as much of a bad dude as anybody else. And there he is on the cross. And he hears this mocking from the other criminal. And he can't take it anymore. And finally, he addresses the other criminal. And he says, are you crazy? Don't you see what's happening here? He says to the other guy, he says, don't you understand that where we find ourselves, we deserve every bit of this. But he says about Jesus, he says, but he deserves none of it. He says about Jesus that he doesn't have, he shouldn't be on the cross. He's an innocent man. He's on the cross and he doesn't deserve to be there. But you and I, we deserve to be here. And then he says these words to Jesus. And this is where it becomes so powerful for me. This criminal, he looks over at Jesus and he says, Jesus... When you enter into your kingdom, will you remember me? Such a simple request. This guy here, he says, I know what I deserve. The sin in my life has brought me here. I know what I deserve. But God, 
Jesus, I recognize you as more than just a man, an innocent man on a cross. You obviously have a kingdom. You're obviously the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And I know that somehow, some way, death is not gonna hold you back. So when you, King Jesus, enter into your kingdom, will you just remember me? Just remember me. And I think about all the times that every one of us in this room go through the most difficult circumstances that we've ever faced. Maybe it is marriage. Maybe it is addiction. Maybe it is a whole slew of so many other things. And we find ourselves desperate. And we look at Jesus knowing that he's our Savior. We look at Jesus knowing that he is our hope. We look at Jesus knowing everything that, but maybe he has the power to help us. And our request is just as simple. So often, we don't address him as the mighty God who is able and faithful. We address him and we say, will you just please remember me? I'm hurting. I'm hurting over here. I'm dying. I don't know what the future holds for me. If you got a little extra something, something, will you just kind of remember me? We fail to see that guy on the cross named Jesus he's more than just a guy on a cross he's the wonderful counselor he's the mighty God he's the eternal father he is the prince of peace and he is to be worshipped as a mighty God who is able and faithful for everything in our life I don't know what your struggles are this morning I know what mine are and I have them boy do I have them I wrestle with things you probably don't wrestle with I have struggles every day that I look and I, I wrestle with and I try to work through and so often even as a pastor standing here before you just being transparent even as a pastor I wrestle with these things thinking that somehow I can handle them on my own and refusing to remember that Jesus is the mighty God who cares more deeply for me than anybody on this earth who loves me more than even I love myself. So this morning, let us not just think about a baby who was born in a manger. Let us think about the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is able and who is faithful and who loves you and me more than our life itself who promises us hope and promises us peace and promises us eternity we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and maybe today you have come to this conclusion that you don't know him and that's okay because you just heard about him and today can be a new day for you. This altar is open. We are down front to answer any questions that you need. We will pray with you.
but you have heard about Jesus today. Jesus, your mighty God.